0: I have learned I need to shut my mouth on Facebook because like the Buddha will say, always eat your kale or something. You know, <laughs> like.
1: I'm a Muslim and That's OK presents some of the most interesting women I know. Hi everyone. May peace be on you all and welcome to episode three of my special segment in which I interview some of the most interesting women I know and today I have with me a very special guest. Her name is Natalie Cooley. I hope I've said that right Natalie. I was like sorry, of, <laughs> I was like stressing out over your last name I was like oh I don't hope I don't mess <laughs> this up and I've known Natalie. For quite a while now and I'm pretty sure she gets irritated by me like more often than not because I'm always going to her with random questions and before I I love your random
0: (laughs) questions
1: (laughs) but before I tell you why I go to Natalie for my random questions um, I'll have you Natalie give us like a brief intro about yourself because I was reading your intro and I was like I can't do this
0: justice Natalie please introduce <laughs> I'm sorry <yourself."> <laughs> <laughs> I gave you I gave you an academic intro I can't seem to help myself it, it was amazing
1: um, Natalie so please
0: <laughs> tell my audience <laughs> um so uh what could I say so I've been academic like that's my professional background I, I um have my PhD in the cultural and historical studies of religion. Wow. It's on, um, on Buddhist communities, mostly in the United States. Most of my work has been with Sri Lankan American um, community, Buddhist communities in the U.S. Um, I also do some work with Thai American Buddhist communities and then also the predominantly white but increasingly diverse um, convert meditation Buddhist communities in the U.S. And then I've done some fieldwork in Sri Lanka, which is a beautiful place, and I don't know if I'll ever be going back there. I've heard it is;
1: it's it's really amazing, but I've never been there, even though I grew up like really close to
0: it. But you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's very hot. Yes, well, yes, Natalie. <laughs> I Texas, know about the hot so, yeah. parts. <laughs> like, you know about the hot. I know about the hot. <laughs> yep, uh, but a beautiful place. So. And that's where I did my dissertation field work. And, you know, I really like being in Buddhist studies. I'm in a great place for it because the Bay Area has people from Buddhists from all over the world. That's
1: why I go to Natalie. Th- this is what Natalie doesn't know. And it's, it started up. I'm going to do a flashback here, Natalie. I'm going to bore you a little. Okay. okay? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a little background about how, why I go to Natalie for my questions related to buddhism so and like circa 1993 okay i'm growing up in pakistan and we have um i guess you could call it history lessons social studies lessons whatever you want to call them and i think um it was the first time in my history book that i was introduced to buddhism and it what it is is I think every person has and it's different for every person but every person has a sort of connection to ideologies and that's a very innate connection and please please nobody mistake it for a fact that it's uh something islamic or buddhist or anything this is just my uh personal philosophy and i have tons of them but my philosophy is everybody has a connection to a certain ideology. The first time I had read about Buddhism in my history book, I was really drawn to the ideology of nonviolence. And especially when it, not just people, it also extended to animals. I've always had a soft spot for animals as well and but the thing is uh, even though I read it in history books in Pakistan I was never really introduced to anybody who practiced Buddhism Um, either either by by chance I mean had met a lot of people who were Catholic Christians Hindus during my lifetime but never somebody who was Buddhist and uh, you know fast forward 20 years and I met Natalie and when I learned that she in fact practiced Buddhism I sort of latched on to you Natalie that's what happened (laughs) and it's it's just that I always had the innate curiosity about Buddhism and I was like who do would I even ask because when it comes to Buddhism unfortunately all you have are some really bad pop cultural references and I mean you got maybe one or two movies like I saw seven years in Tibet and when I look back at it now I mean at that time I was really drawn to it but when I look back at it now I was like that's probably not a really good representation right there and and, uh, you know all you have is like random quotes here and there by um, either Buddha or by the Dalai Lama but again it doesn't really reflect a very good totality of Buddhism and uh, that's when when I found when I found but you know when I met Natalie (laughs) online I was like Natalie you've got to help me out here you've got to answer my questions and that's how I turned to Natalie and I mean you've done some really extensive work I mean like you've just told us even and you told me you've written like you've co-written like three books and I'm like oh my god I feel like so
0: useless (laughs) Well, that's what I get paid to do, right? So well, I mean, out, Natalie. It's like I can't even yeah. well, yeah. It's it's really it's hard work. Oh, but yeah. it's also really, really joyful. Um one of the things that you said about um, they're just big kind of pop references. Mm-hmm. I mean so so that's the terrain by being published in English that I'm sort of um, negotiating because what's interesting, particularly for Buddhists in the United States, is that A lot of academic works get read by Buddhists who are not academics, are interested in Buddhism. So there's kind of this dual audience that you have to keep in mind at all times, well, you don't have to, but it's, I think it's important to It's important. I think, yes. So for a few reasons, first of all, because uh, a lot of the pop cultural references are not so much about Buddhism as they are about what non-Buddhist Westerners think Buddhism might be like exactly
1: and so uh, and they do the same thing with Islam right (laughs) they do things
0: about what Um, they think Islam might be like
1: right And th- that's the thing. I mean, I think I I know the disservice it does, and you know the disservice it uh, it does. Yep. And that's what I was sitting there with before I was you know getting ready to interview you. And I was like, there are so many terms out there in pop culture that are direct reference to Buddhism, and yet people don't understand it well at all. And I was sitting there and okay. I was like, things like nirvana. Zen It's an excellent example right yeah Yeah. and people don't fully understand what it means but they do love using it they love using the term so you have the chance Natalie you have to clarify Nirvana and Zen just because those are the two things that are like used to death
0: yeah well you know Nirvana that's a a Sanskrit word right so Mm -hmm. it's originally an Indian religion right but it was it's a missionary religion mm-hmm. you know like native american traditions aren't missionary so they don't go out and try to convert people but buddhists did try to go out and convert right. people so a big chunk of buddhism uses sanskrit as a right, uh, right. sacred language and then right. a big chunk uses pali so right. nirvana is the Sanskrit. You've got to stop me if I'm getting too technical. Oh, here. no,
1: no. I need and you. I need you to say these things. I, because I'll go I know off. This. I know this <laughs> because I, you know, I studied the historical background of it because that's how history was taught to me. Because I know that huh? all of these things came from Sanskrit, but I know a lot of yeah. our audience does not. But it's important right? It's, it, because most yeah. people would not even like root the origin of Buddhism to right. South India. Because, but that no. is where it began. And that's a lot of the terms are sort of intermingled with uh, Hinduism as
0: well. Like, um, Right. Like, They're shared. They're shared. shared com- yes. Because, because the Buddhist tradition arose in an Indian context. And yes. they didn't say to them, we're starting a new religion. Right. The youth is already there. These are the right. cultural buildings. Right. right. So right. a lot of the Sanskrit terms that you have in uh, Hinduism overlap with Buddhist right. ones. Right. This idea of Nirvana was a little bit different because, well, what it literally means, and it's Nibbana in the Southern tradition in Theravada, in Mm -hmm. Pali, it means something like blowing out a candle. You think of it like that. Oh, wow. So traditionally, in kind of the orthodox doctrine, I mean, there are lots of ways to understand Nirvana, even among Buddhists, but kind of the orthodox understanding would be something like... Um, so you're reborn and you're reborn and you're reborn, and that's not a good thing. You don't want to be reborn over and over. Over and over It's not, it's samsara. It's like, you're born, you get sick, you die. You're born, you get sick, you die. You're born, you get sick. And it's just like over and over again. And the Buddha said, you know, there's a way out of this, right? Mm -hmm. So you can think of it as a flame being passed on a candle from one candle. to. That's how a life gets passed, right? Right. So if you learn the Buddhist teachings, you learn how to unlink that
1: so that you've got to,
0: and with that candle, you blow it out and you're Ah, done. I see. Then the question is, well, what does that, is that nihilism? Does that just mean that you're dead forever? Which is kind of the way like early Christians who encountered Buddhism, they were like, Oh, that's just nihilism. That's just like soul suicide, basically. Mm -hmm. Not exactly what's going on. So the Buddha responds to questions about nirvana in right. some of the sutras, the Buddhist literature. He's very vague. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, it's our concepts. Like you can't you can't understand it. No, it's not a place. Right. It's something, it's beyond samsara. It's right. something else. Right. And and we can't talk about that. You can't. Like there's right. n- language with us when we try to talk about those things. Um so you know he would say things like people would ask him does does the, the buddha exist after uh he dies and enters nirvana does he not exist or does he both exist and not exist all of the classically um uh organized philosophical questions that you get right. out of the indian traditions which is delicious by itself and he's like no i didn't teach you. i'm not teaching you about that like right. i didn't come here to." And you can't even understand it. No, I'm just teaching you about suffering, which is Dukkha, end of suffering. Okay. That's it. That's all I teach. I don't teach you about Nirvana. I don't teach Nirvana. That's not my goal. I teach suffering in the end. Right. So Nirvana is largely a placeholder term that we don't understand. And it is, it's unfortunately the, I mean, and
1: I'm only Giving it from my perspective, that the way we sure. hear about it is that it's uh, it's a place that you go at when you when you end the, break the cycle, but. that's then when I later on I was like no I don't think we're doing this right you know this is not what it (laughs) is I mean and and the thing is not uh, like since I'm not Buddhist, I don't fully understand it but then I shouldn't be even using that term because it's not (laughs) mine to mine to use that that sort of thing and the same thing same thing with Zen I think people um I think they sort of like mix it up with um meditation plus yoga but i think it uh, again i'm i'm not the expert here i don't i don't know exactly
0: how to define it properly so that's why i I have you natalie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so zen is coming out of so starts in india right Mm -hmm. we've got two main branches that we can talk about there's one that goes up the silk route up into china Mm -hmm. and there's another To Sri Lanka. Yeah. Northern tradition goes into, goes through the Silk Road, all through, all through Central Asia. There are all kinds of Buddhists, and into China. And then it developed in China. There developed this tradition called Chan. Mm -hmm. And Chan simply means um, meditation. That's all it means. Um, It comes from the word, from the Sanskrit word dhyana. Mm -hmm. Dhyana, just a kind of meditation. Right. Right. So, In Chan Buddhism, they were very heavily influenced by meditation. That's one of the misconceptions I think that a lot of people in the West in particular don't understand Mm -hmm. is that not all Buddhists meditate. In fact, most Buddhists do not meditate. These guys thought it was a big deal, right? Right. So they named the whole lineage after it. They named it Chan. And then as Chan moved into Japan, it it turns into Zen. That's their Zen is a translation of Chan is a translation of Dhyana, mm. so um, so it means meditation, and it evolved into kind of a tradition that um, they're very antinomian, which is to say that like they like to turn social norms on their heads, right? So, which is really fun. So things like when you see the Buddha, here's a saying from Zen: when you see the Buddha by the road, kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's wow, <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Yeah. There, there are some really fantastic Zen stories because they say biographies. Their biographies are really big. So there's like a, a biography of a student being awakened because his master pushed him down the stairs. Um, like they, it's Sometimes they're very brutal stories, right, but it right. is kind of breaking um, our expectations and breaking social norms and using that to kind of bolt the mind. The goal is to to see reality as it is, instead of seeing reality through all of our filters and perceptions and all of that stuff. The idea is to see it clearly right. without all those, um, all that other garbage on top. Right. So that tradition continued to develop in China and um, Japan and Korea and Vietnam, and it really became in in Japan in particular, highly institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about is monks who mm-hmm. are are meditating and not even necessarily meditating all that much but meditating right um and then there are lay students who supported them so much of the way that buddhism was imported into the united states was based on the orientalist notion right right, that buddhism right. Was meditation she does not right mm-hmm. talk to a lot of people even some buddhists they'll say well you know you have to meditate if you're a buddhist and It's just absolutely false. So what a lot of people, a lot of lay people in particular, what they're looking to do in this life is not to reach nirvana, because that's a very lofty goal, right? Instead, what they're trying to do is improve um, their karma. And what that oh means there's another term that I wanted to ask you about but let's uh, I'll, 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 I'll have I'm that I'm happy after, to yeah yeah I'll, I'll
1: do that after you're done <laughs> because yeah. the thing the thing so, with karma
0: was I was not sure if it was like in Hindu tradition or in Buddhist tradition or does it come in both it's in both
1: yeah that's what it's I was thinking it's
0: in both and, and the Buddha made some well let's talk about karma because to even understand where I was going with that you need to understand karma quickly. the word itself just means action right the very right. old term it just means action right right Eventually how that was being used in Vedic Hinduism was something akin to, um, your action in the form of ritual offerings to the gods. Mm-hmm. And when you made brings to the gods, that action brought consequences in the form of gods, uh, whatever being helpful in some way or another. And that was, that's like in the Vedic fire rituals and these sorts of things. That's the understanding is it's this sort of, um, it, it's ritual action, right? right. So the Buddha tweaked that and he said, no, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) It's intention that matters. In the Vedic ritual, you could be thinking about whatever you're thinking about, thinking about what you're going to make for dinner that night or uh, doing whatever. (laughs) Like it doesn't really matter, right? Right. It's if the intention is there. Um, It doesn't even matter if you believe in it or not. You just do it and whatever. No." karma depends on intention Mm -hmm. and what that yeah there's cause and effect that's what the root that's what people um, understand it as i mean that's what the broader
1: understanding is like if you do good you'll get good and that's the the, like how people generally understand karma but i was like oh no there's another thing that we've
0: been messing around with that we have no idea what's going on (laughs) it's you know i think the issue is that it's being decontextualized out of right. the larger system, right? Mm-hmm. So you could say, yes, karma is if you have the intention of doing something and you uh, and you undertake a particular action, mm-hmm. there will be consequences. It's mechanical. I, I kick a soccer ball, it moves. Right, right. It, so, Buddhism says there is a moral law to the universe. Oh, and okay. It, there's no creator god. Nobody mm-hmm. created. The, the moral law just exists in the same mm-hmm. way that gravity exists. Mm-hmm. It's just a whole part of the universe. And mm-hmm. so when you do something mm-hmm. harmful, an intention first. Uh, so my intention is, I didn't like what she said about me last week. And so I'm going to embarrass her by bringing this up in front of her. To mm-hmm. so even have that intention mm-hmm. means that I brought up a lot of malice in my mind. Right, right. right. The malice in my mind draws me to pain that is samsara right right so I um, so the Buddha says the mind follows um, basically intention follows the mind like a like a wheel um, follows the um, those well-worn ruts in the road right. we're cultivating these negative thoughts mm-hmm. constantly cultivating behaviors that are harmful that require negative intentions mm-hmm. that will continue to be drawn into negative situations right, right 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 so that's the unfolding now karma can take place over m- much larger time periods than-, than is being understood um in kind of the outsider view yeah that's, that's oh, what, yeah. What, we, what we think it is it's
1: like an immediate thing oh she was mean to me right. he's gonna happen to her that, that, it's not yeah, how yeah, that works
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. So, so in, in particularly in the southern traditions, which is what I'm the most familiar with. That's Theravada, right. Vipassana. It's um, the stuff that comes out of Spirit Rock Meditation Center and mm. those mainstream traditions. Um, the understanding, at least traditionally, of karma has been so. Okay, you bring these the, the three root poisons: that's greed, hatred, and ignorance or delusion. Right. And when these things are cultivated in the mind, right? they're like magnets, they attract right. that. You're drawing it to you. So if I am uh, constantly um, feeling jealousy and greed over other people's belongings, mm-hmm. what's going to happen is when I'm reborn, I, my little flame is going to be drawn into circumstances in right. which the mind is looking for greed. So. You may be born, reborn in a hell realm if you're cultivating like that.
1: And that it doesn't thing, mean it's it's mm-hmm. so complex, uh, Natalie. That's the thing that that's the thing that bothers me about this the most. That people use these terms, but they really don't right. understand um, how deep mm-hmm. it goes. Uh, they it's, it's it's great flippancy to be able to just throw around things like karma or nirvana or any of those things without really understanding how big the context is. Yeah, I,
0: I really appreciate what you're saying about that. I I think there are a couple of things going on, but what one one level of what you're saying as I see it is about cultural appropriation. Exactly. And it's, yeah, so this is kind of one of the many qualities of colonialism that continues in our culture mm-hmm. is that we, we feel like we, Americans are trained to think we're the best and the smartest <laughs> and we know <laughs> And, uh, let me, uh, and which we don't. Is, Natalie,
1: I'll be blunt over here. It's it's not um, uh, it's not deliberate, and I only say this from the fact that I yes. come fr- I come from uh, a country that was under heavy colonial rule. I yeah. uh, and it's it's a tradition that unfortunately is has been passed down for a long yeah. time, and uh mm-hmm. again, it's it's one of those um uh, I guess cycles that is. You have to be very mm. conscious of the damage and most of the time most people can't even yep. see the damage yep. because they right. don't see the broader context of it of how me somebody who um is of south asian background knows english as a first language and my what should have been my first language is my second language because i was taught under the british system to have English as as my first language. But most people don't really get the the broader context of it because they won't even see the world to be that big, that that, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, more and more, I see all of the connections between that colonial imperial project mm-hmm. and in the moment ourselves right now. And, and we could talk about it as karma. Like, I don't think that would be terrible misuse. Of <laughs> you can do you it. Know, we, have certain, I can. <laughs> <laughs> we have certain greed, hatred, and delusion, like what the colonial project summarized, right? And those projects of dominating and exploiting other people, hmm Read pleat delusion and ignorance about what that would cause in the long run. Like right. that has had its own trajectory that's been ha- handed down through culture so that what's happening is I've been, I'm inheriting those cultural attitudes from mm-hmm. imperialists and I'm enacting them. Without even having the intention to do so, exactly, because of, exactly. Because of so I, so I end up wearing a headdress, like a Native American headdress, to Coachella because I think they're really cool and interesting. Exactly. And I don't reckon that's actually harmful to someone, right? Or we throw around the word Nirvana like we understand it, and we do that is to denigrate somebody else's religious tradition, exactly, and, tri- and trivialize it, and. Right you may not mean it that way, but it doesn't mean it doesn't have that effect. Right. Exactly. We have to, I mean, unlike karma in the Buddhist tradition, which says you have to have take the you have to have intention. That's how it's going right. to color things. is coming out of not so much uh, a, an intention to harm, but just ignorance, just it, pure it, ignorance. It, not, that, not, that's the thing. Um, an
1: ignorance that is rooted in some very, I guess, prideful traditions. So, um, yeah. I, and again, it's not just white colonialists. I see this uh, in a, a lot yeah. of our, our, this is very universal, unfortunately, Natalie. I mean, I've seen it yeah, yeah,
0: across yeah. cultures. This is human nature, right? We're talking about human nature. Right. Yeah. And so it's not exclusive to white people, yeah. but the, the
1: impact it has is greater when, unfortunately, it's under
0: the guise of actions of white people. Well, the, 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 bottom line, the reality right now of the global systems that we're embedded in is that we're still feeling the effects of European colonialism and part exactly. of what the systems that mm-hmm. were put in place and systems don't require people that consciously enact, uh, oppression. It doesn't right. require that. So we, we've created systems in which there is a racial hierarchy exactly. and and you could say to yourself, all you want, I'm colorblind or whatever. And still, if you're in those systems, you go somewhere like Sri Lanka, for example, the kind of colonialism that came there had real tangible effects it's in the way- still, It
1: still does, Natalie. Yes. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of colorism in South Asia. I mean, I yeah. know because I've, I have lived it. Because, um, there is a preference for unfortunately Caucasian the Caucasian race it, it yep. is it is a reality and there's no nobody can deny that because that has been passed down generationally
0: That's and
1: it. Uh, right. it, even in the systems as you spoke of I mean I remember when I was growing up um, we were like given English assignments to write letters and what was taught to us in like second third grade is like you end uh, letters in your humble servant so-and-so but that was sort of passed (laughs) down from the British. And (laughs) if if you go to like government offices where they, they really aren't really taught a whole lot of English, but they will still use those uh, terms, your humble servant, so-and-so.
0: Right, yeah. So, and that's that's how cultural traditions endure, right? right. Person to person to person. And that we could, I've got to come back to Buddhism. We can think of that as collective karma. Mm -hmm. And that's, and has been, very much overlooked in the west because westerners have by and large particularly the united states been trained to see things in terms of the individual right. an individual without recognizing that we're actually you can't there that it's not true it's false right. like you have a community right. your community affects you and you don't exist in isolation but if you look at uh, particularly southeast asian buddhisms i don't want to talk so much about the northern tradition i'm, I'm less familiar with it but There's a very strong notion uh, of karma as being collectivist, being something that an entire culture is enacting. So for example, when the um, colonial, um, when when the British colonial government was trying to and successfully eventually did invade Myanmar, Mm -hmm. there are all the effects of colonialism all around them, which are obviously really heinous and negative. And the thought is, well, this is our karma. We're receiving this because of things that happened in the past. And what can we do right now? Well, what we can do is come together as a group and purify our minds. Right. Because if we purify our minds, then our intentions will be better. Right. And as a, as a community, Mm -hmm. as a group, we will all move forward into better circumstances. Mm -hmm. And if we can look at that in terms of these sorts of oppressive systems that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can reclaim some of the social justice teachings of Buddhism that are right. lost. The United States has has taken, like you've said, taken terms and taken ideas and turned them into things that that are more comfortable, which everybody does. That's what happens. With things. And, and, and again, it's
1: it's not exclusive to the United States, but no, not at all. It, 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 it's just that the thing is, uh, the impact of it is global because mm. whatever start. I, yes. The thing is, that's the weird thing. Whatever starts in the U.S., it sort of like spreads right. as a
0: trend, and that's where it causes Let, the harm. This is this is a fascinating aspect of Buddhism, a Buddhist history, I should say. Which is that, so, so imagine Sri Lanka, you're at the uh, tail end of the 19th century. Um, The British are there and they basically open the island up to a bunch of Christian missionaries Uh who are coming and trying to convert everybody by saying that pagans, their Buddhists are pagan, heathens, and all this. So then enter in a number of people who, first of all, are interested in Buddhism as academics. So they're coming in. And they're they have an understanding of Buddhism in a mm-hmm. particular way, and then you've got these folks who are basically uh, religious outliers, right, from America and Europe. So there's this guy named Colonel Olcott, an American, and he goes to Sri Lanka with his pal, uh, Madame Blavatsky, and they say we really like your Buddhism, and we're going to convert, and they did, and they wow. made a big deal out of it. And it <laughs> public, and the Sri Lankan public really ate it up, the Sri Lankan Buddhist public really ate it up because it was like, see, we're not backward, even, you know, even the Americans. <laughs> so they loved it, but what started to happen is those folks had a lot of power because they were, they were American, mm. and that, tint of that gave them access to channels of power that were not available to Sri Lankans. Right. But they are saying, like, we actually know what real Buddhism is. So oh, let God. God the arrogance of this, I can barely even utter it. Let me teach you what real Buddhism is. People oh, who have wow. had this island for more than two thousand years, but mm. you don't really understand. It. I do. Okay. So let, and so there were a lot of changes made to the Buddhist tradition. Oh wow! And, and they were taken up some by Sri Lanka, and then there was a lot of pushback. But then those ideas about what real Buddhism is, which was to say, oh, well, Buddhists say this, but they don't really understand what they mean. Is this? Or the Buddha was had these pure teachings, but you know the people who tried to practice it were just too dumb and they didn't really understand. Oh gosh! So we're gonna we're gonna figure out what the Buddha really taught, and and I, we'll talk about that instead. You can't really rely on this to explain to you what Buddhism is because oh, they're wow. very, very dumb and ignorant, right? so so then these ideas about what real buddhism is which was not real buddhism i hope you're still with me here no story. i mean I, like, <laughs> they I, take this back to the west right and then you've got people who are i mean by and large white people at this point mm-hmm. sit in buddhism don't know much about it but all they have access to are these english language materials right. that are teaching what buddhism is right and they decide that they have the real buddhism so they become converts and they start writing books. And eventually we get to the 1960s. We have folks going to Asia and studying in Asia. But they already have these preconceived, preconceived notions
1: about what it really is.
0: <laughs> so they, they go there and they get what they want, which is right. the meditation tradition. And they bring them back and they say, yeah, we got the meditation traditions, which is what real Buddhism is. But oh. we're getting rid of everything else because that stuff is just superstition. Oh. And then... And then they write books about what real Buddhism is. And those books, get circulated across the globe. Right. So, oh, gosh. It's a Good huge Buddhist mess, Natalie. <laughs> so, so Buddhists in Asia get these books that say, you're practicing it all wrong. This is what real Buddhism is. And they're like, oh, okay. This is what real Buddhism is. So even though the intention isn't to disrupt and harm, Right. It is the effect because particular groups of people have more access to publishing um, to, industry. To, to this, <laughs> I guess, it's pop culture Buddhism, basically, that sort you don't know. <laughs> yes. I, I'm sorry. It's a, I, don't mean I can't to tell you how so many funny. times I have learned I need to shut my mouth on <laughs> Facebook because like the Buddha will say, always eat your kale or something, you know, like. <laughs> And like what are you talking about? But I never said that. But there was there is no kale in South Asia. <laughs> <laughs> absurd stuff, just absurd stuff. Like uh, you know, be in the present moment and love your your brothers and sisters. It's just something inane, and I'm like, that's not, no. Oh my gosh, but but the truth of the matter is, pop Buddhism then becomes real Buddhism, right? Oh gosh, this yes. Is,
1: I, but I and I guess as 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 it,
0: as I was, aside, that's real. The, right? th- that's the thing. I mean, this is again,
1: this is not even something that is exclusive to Buddhism. I've seen this happen right. in Muslim traditions as well. Right. I mean, it gets sort of like, um, I guess, separated from where it started out from. And then there's lots of again, pop culture references that are like, no, you're not understanding this correctly. <laughs> this is taking out... It's so frustrating. Out of, yeah, it's taken out of context. Yes. So, yes. But, yes. So, no, tell me, Natalie, and this, I've been meaning to ask you, so you, your parents were Buddhist as well? No, 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 no.
0: Oh, no that's, that's, that's what I wanted to clarify. My parents are, oh, yeah, my parents um, are post-Christian atheists, which is to say ah. that raised christian but they didn't believe in christianity so by I the see. time i was born we're just straight up atheists, and and the kind <laughs> of a sort of more of an old school atheism that was like yeah all those religious people are a little crazy <laughs> but we need to not be rude about it <laughs> right <laughs> really kept it to themselves right um so to their horror yeah i mean i was like religion i they're horrified they're horrified um yeah, so my background is is atheist um, as far as my childhood religious upbringing. Right, right, and that and you know that has some real issues. It makes it hard for me to join because Again, back of my head. Trust like, me, Natalie. Even I'm when you're me. like from a religious family, like it, you could be practicing yeah. the same
1: brand, and you'll be like, but no, I don't. I'm. And then you can't even say I disagree with you. You're just like it's better just to not like say anything at family gatherings.
0: Just I'm just gonna nod and smile, <laughs> nod and, and smile. smile. That's what I do. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, my parents have no idea. That's like they're they're proud of me. They're nice people. Right. They're tolerant of the fact that I study Buddhism. But you know, I've I've sort of gotten to this point where, like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm Buddhist. I'm hecka Buddhist. And then sometimes I'm like, am I Buddhist? I don't know. I'm, am I? I don't know. And I it's complicated it, it you know? can be it can be Natalie
1: I mean there are lots of times when you're like uh, and especially when you're around people I, I don't know about you but for me like I'm around other people who are most really nice people and you're like okay but um, there is something different here like I'm sticking out like a sore thumb and I'm yeah, not even yeah, sure yeah. why
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, if I feel that I feel that for sure. I it's it's complicated. I you know, religious identity. I've come to a place with that. Like people get into like what is real. Who's a real Buddhist? Who's a fake Buddhist? Who's a real Muslim? Who's a fake Muslim? Exactly. Real, and trust me, there's all, lots all of people that. fighting. I don't know about people who are Buddhist,
1: but there's lots of Muslim oh. people who fight over these things, and it's like, it's there, kind of like oh, they're people, be, people yeah. like
0: die on. <laughs> People take this stuff really seriously, right? But my, the way I'm coming at it, and and this is definitely academic, and I and I I will confess to that. It makes it a lot easier. It makes it easier for me, frankly. Right. Is that people are what they say they are. Right. They're right. They're Buddhist. They're Buddhist. Right. They may not like, have a great understanding of the history of Buddhism. They may not really understand texts. Right. They may practice vastly different than what I. Than what I expect them to practice like right. or what other people practice like but if they say they're Buddhist to me they're Buddhist right and part of the reason I say that we've had this discussion before. we've had this discussion it's, because it's, yeah that's the
1: thing I mean I and that's when I turned to Natalie because I think I was at a crossroads where I was like and this this is exclusively for extremists who consider themselves who call themselves Muslims and I was having a hard time dealing with this and Natalie was like if you cannot accept those who are extremists and if I cannot I cannot accept them as Muslim then I cannot fix the problem that is amongst a a broader Muslim nation I guess that I mean that's that's how you had explained it and that like that's that makes sense I cannot like just because I don't like what they're doing just like no they're not part of me the fact is they they come from a tradition that is the same it's just that the, their practices are harmful like not, not even like harmful in a, in a physical right harmful
0: yeah. it's just as a harmful yes.
1: in a very broad context
0: yeah yeah i, I you really put your finger on it I mean what i I really started to come around to that when I was hearing particularly converts. it really bothers me when right. it converts because there's uh, an inherited cultural arrogance that comes with right, it. right, and I've right. seen it in my own mind. I didn't ask for it, but I did receive it. Mm-hmm. Um, people saying things like... You know well they're not really buddhist and it's this it goes right back to olcott right what we were right. talking about those right and right that's, and so that's the first level of it i'm like hmm that's a that's a problem like you're labeling out out of the buddhist identity people that you are think you're superior to first of right. all but the second level is um myanmar yes to this I'm so into this discussion you don't even know like I can talk all <laughs> I long. love it I love it Like <laughs> the floodgates have opened <laughs> <laughs> but looking at Myanmar in particular right so we've got uh, and we could say the same in Sri Lanka actually mm-hmm. that there's a um, anti-Muslim uh, violence going on really terrible anti-Muslim violence going on and so there's this tendency um, for people to say, well, they're not really Buddhist, right? Right, right. Again, if we cannot uh, own what is wrong, we can't fix it. We can't fix it. So if I'm, I mean, can I tell people, like, you're not really a Buddhist? Right. And they're just going to say, yes, I am. Yeah. And then, like, we're nowhere. We've got, we have gotten absolutely nowhere. If you actually want to address harm, which is what you put your finger on, if you want to address harm, then you have to be open to seeing how one's own religious tradition can be used that way. So that exactly. you can, exactly. and the only way to be able to fix it is through dialogue right. and, and putting your arms around and saying, come in, come into my heart, come be, come here right. and be and and let's work. And That is so hard, That's Natalie. It.
1: I mean, that is hard
0: and it's really hard.
1: But I think, I, and that's the thing, yeah. that is that is how, I mean, anything worth doing is not easy ever. Yeah. So having to fix what is wrong will automatically not be easy.
0: It's, a, it's pretty tough. And I mean, part, part of the issue is, I mean, at least from a Buddhist perspective, part of the issue is that humans are just human. Mm-hmm. And you know, like an atheist in my parents' tradition <laughs> might say something like, well, religions are inherently evil. <laughs> and, and I'm like, mm, no, that's not the issue. The issue is that humans do these things, do and, these and things. Humans, whether they do it through governments, right? Whatever um, groups that humans create, they make oppressive systems. That, that that's the thing. It, it's it's about the the groups, and that's why I've come to the yeah. conclusion
1: as well that. The the problem is that we don't understand how to properly function in groups. Like we create them and there's a purpose to them, but we don't function very
0: well. Yes. Yeah. Like this, 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 um, really strong desire to dominate overbearing or to be right all the time, Natalie, that's like, I get sucked into that one big time. (laughs) I get into into really dumb arguments (laughs) where I have, I I realize that it's not even, even if I'm right, it's not even, that's not the point of having discussions with people is to be right. right. Like I'll have to step away and be like, do I want to be right Right. or want to be compassionate? That's right. Like, I can't have do a, both if, at the same if time. if you have a
1: choice to be right or be kind, it's always a better uh, idea to be kind that sort of thing.
0: That's it. but That's you know, it. See, this is heavy heavy stuff and I, I think in the in Buddhist communities, particularly in in the West, there has been this part of the historical context of disavowing certain Buddhists as being not really Buddhist is rooted in this nihilism that that um, is still passed down through our culture. Um, but I think it's a I think there's a different dynamic underlying what's going on in Islam. and and part of that, I say, from the gaze of the West, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Islam is a violent religion. The gaze <laughs> again, the, a lot of West. pop culture references, uh, Natalie, that's yeah, how yeah, same right? It's it's the same thing that flipped on its head for Buddhism. The gaze, the Western gaze is Buddhism is a peaceful religion, right. And the Western gaze and the Western pop culture, Elevates that particular idea. Truth is that Buddhism is also a violent religion. It's also a peaceful religion. Right. Islam is. It's also a peaceful religion because they're people, and people are violent, and people are peaceful. Right. Right. (laughs) So, if you look at the teachings themselves, you know. They're, the teachings, the teachings, can be, and, the, the, and that's what I try to
1: explain to people. And I, I have not encountered, <laughs> had any major conflicts with people. But yeah. the thing is, what I've noticed in most faiths, and I, I'm not any scholar by any means, is that teachings are neutral. It's just people are not neutral. People can't yeah. be neutral because they have biases. That those are the biases yeah. that impact how they follow whatever they follow, it doesn't matter what it is.
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. So, I mean, one of the things that, that's that's why I keep pushing towards, particularly for Buddhists, when I have grad students, they come in with all of these ideas about what Buddhism really is. And then I also have a lot of grad students who are actually, teachers in the Buddhist community because we have certificate programs so we have, have basically like three different tracks of students I have one track of students that they're just fulfilling their uh, religion requirements right. and they don't really care if it's one way or the other uh, and they come in and they're like isn't Buddhism a peaceful religion and I'm like no it's not <laughs> and we've got the second kind of group of people who are Buddhist practitioners and ministers mm. who are, Buddhism is a peaceful religion and anybody else who says that it's not, is not really Buddhist. Okay, so then I have to tell them they are Buddhist and you're wrong. And then <laughs> I've got a uh, kind of third group of people who are really academics of Buddhism and they don't, they're don't. they like, well, yeah, of course they're Buddhist because, you know, it makes it easier for me to do my work if I just consider them all Buddhist. <laughs> but it's really important for those first two groups to to own that these Buddhists are not practicing the way that you think they should. Right, right. And it is because it goes back to colonialism right, in our case. And, right. and I don't, I don't see that in the same, I mean, I think colonialism has a lot to do with quite everything to do with kind of the extremism in Islam right now, but the way that colonialism is manifesting in the Buddhist tradition is kind of on its head where, Westerners have the gaze of it being a peaceful religion, but by doing that, they're actually harming and discounting huge swaths of the Buddhist population. Th- that's that's and exactly they- right. And that's the thing. Most
1: people, I'm, and again, I'm not the Buddhist here and I don't know about Buddhist tradition, but in every single part of the world, like in Japan, there is a different brand of Buddhism that... J- does not coordinate with South Asian Buddhism, and as you had mentioned in Northern China, and even in other parts of the world, what the the Buddhism is different traditions, and again, it has to be respected in in its totality. So, I mean, just yeah. because you're a Buddhist in the West does not mean that you know
0: all of these traditions and how uh, they function. It, it's it's um it's it's been really interesting so my i've done a lot of work I, I did field work in sri lanka but mostly i did that because i i really wanted to look at buddhism in the united states mm-hmm. and you know a lot of what we see in popular culture is coming out of convert buddhism right it's mm-hmm. that thing we were about. right they have their right. views about what is real buddhism and then that's being disseminated the loudest because right. our buddhist populations um, for a huge chunk of our Buddhist populations in the U.S. are refugee populations, um, oh. like uh, um, Khmer, Vietnamese, people who, who came from South Asia, um, and their their views um, and attitudes and practices and beliefs are, are really not represented in popular popular culture, that's right. They're dis- that's right, and they're discounted really, right. um, and what ends up happening is they're sort of in a double bind, where they're not really Buddhist, but they're also not really American. I know that it's this. It, it's very deep. It's a very deep, and and I am going to say white supremacist. That is white supremacy because it's if you're not white, you're not American, and it and it's it's an assumption that a lot of white folks have, and it's not based in a mean intention. I've been the person who said, "Where are you from? No, where are you really from?" Mm-hmm. Right. No, no, I understand. Well, yeah, you were born in New York, but where are you really from? Right. right. That, that's that attitude. Um, my husband, I, he's so gracious about this, but very firm. People will say, where are you from? He's like, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I say, where are you and he'll say, "Where are you from?" And they'll be like, "Well, I'm from, I'm from California." No, but where are you really
1: from? Oh, gosh. Right? the number of times I've heard that question, Natalie. I bet you
0: have. I bet you have. But that's the double bind, right? You yeah. can't be really. You can't be really good That's that's what I spend a lot. Of, like that's what I do a lot of my work with, is because since I've been exposed. Wonderfully, beautifully to particularly tie in Sri Lankan um, mm-hmm. Buddhism, mm-hmm. Um, the way that it's been presented as not really American, right, right, not really Buddhist. Like mm-hmm. that, it's a, they, a double whammy, a double loss. So in my classes, I am one of those awful professors. <laughs> I get this in my in the, in the responses from students at the Student end. the evals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing oh. the 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 little nice version of Buddhism. I'm not going to get, you know, the palatable American versions of Buddhism. I'm going to force them to think about rebirth. Right. You're fighting the good fight, Natalie. I mean, it's it's
1: high time because people should not be now holding on to what they've been holding on to for, for so long. I mean, if they really want to... I mean, they shouldn't be, if, A, first of all, using any of the terms, like, please don't use Zen, don't use Nirvana, don't use karma. You don't know what it means,
0: just stop. Talk about the Zen of motorcycles, or the Zen of anything. anything. Stop talking about the zen. stop it. Stop, like, <laughs> it's
1: terrible because, and I get it because sometimes when you're a minority, you wish to see some part of yourself reflected mm. somewhere. But if it doesn't serve a better, greater purpose, then it's it's no good. Uh, at some point, if it yeah. brought, it furthers a misunderstanding, it's no good. I I, I totally
0: agree. I, and to be very. Um, one-minded about the whole thing because what I was trying to talk about earlier in this conversation—we we got, got sidetracked. I'm sorry, Natalie. <laughs> I was so, no, it was me. I, I could go off in 50 directions, but we were talking about karma, right. Specifically, and rebirth, right? Right. One of the things that um, convert American Buddhists have a very hard time with merit <laughs> is merit, <laughs> and merit. merit is a central practice mm. in self itself. Right. It is that you do good things. With good intentions, right. this life, right, and it a better rebirth, right. That's merit practice. So there are tons of practices that are not meditation, but mm-hmm. that are all um, bound up with the idea of merit. So taking care of your parents, right. So giving gi- giving alms to not just not just monastics, although mostly right. monastics, but also to the poor or doing more, making moral behavior. Um, Making a moral behavior with the intention to do good in the world. Right. That is a world Buddhist practice that's being lost here in the United States. So, that's oh, one of the wow. things that I teach that I make a, a cornerstone of my course is merit practice because right. it's been denigrated as superstitious. And, and that's what I was introduced
1: to when I was reading it in history. And I thought that that had to be like integral. I mean, it doesn't matter what else mm-hmm. changes, but I, I would think that that was there. Again, I'm not. Like I'm not the expert here, but that's how I, I had read it.
0: Yeah. Well, once you start pulling that out of mm-hmm. the whole magical, like the whole worldview, which is that we're reborn and right. that there are the different realms you can visit, all of that stuff. Once you take that out of the picture and you just start pulling out pieces and being like, I, I just want this piece. Right. 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 That. Right. Um, that older system is going to fall apart. So so that so that people start seeing karma as you know you. You ran into somebody's car yesterday, so you're gonna get your. It's an immediate thing. It's it's like um, instant gratification karma. (laughs) I'm sorry. Right? right. Absolutely, absolutely. But that is it. It's it it is that mind of of instead of looking at things. And I think this is something that we could learn from these more traditional Buddhist practices. Right. That if you stop looking at it as me and mine and what I'm gonna get, right, and start looking at it as a community, collective, we That's- can use yes, we can use merit as a way to plant seeds of good, right, Since right, this, not in my lifetime, right, maybe than in my kids' lifetimes but in other lifetimes. Right. And that one of the benefits of thinking, of trying on B- traditional Buddhist thought, even if we can't buy into the whole idea that there are multiple realms of existence. Right, right. Even born, We can understand that we have generations of kids who are born and born and born and born. Right, right. And cultivating good right 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 so the climate we're doing climate change not because i benefit from it but because That's right at least my
1: kids get to breathe fresh air my grandkids get to breathe, breathe fresh air exactly. it's, like, it's that is that sort of thing oh my god natalie i could go go on forever with you and you know that you know we could go on forever <laughs> but before i let you go natalie you know it's it's part of it's part of the shtick you know you've got to play the rapid fire ground okay and okay, unfortunately, right, it's good. not related to Buddhism or as as deep as as your conversation. That's okay. <laughs> but in the rapid fire question round, I, I'll ask you five questions, okay? And you have all to right. give me the first thing that pops into your head. I mean, it has, you can't think about it. So all right, uh, bring it on. So all right, no me. thinking. No thinking at all. So sushi okay. or avocado toast? Sushi, I don't like
0: avocado toast. Okay. Batman or Superman? Oh, jeez. Uh oh Batman's more of a bad boy. So I guess I like him better. Okay. Right. Um Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Okay. Um do you call it a
1: GIF file or a GIF file? GIF guess, <laughs> Natalie <laughs> You almost had me, Natalie. Okay. So when you when on your french fries, do you have the ketchup on the side or on
0: top? Oh the side. The oh side. yay. We're friends yeah. again, Natalie. I must, oh, I must control the ketchup. That's yes. why. Thank you so
1: much, Natalie. I mean, it was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I mean, I we could go on for hours. And you know, I'm I hope that everybody who's listening gets at least a little bit of, of a deeper understanding of what I try to get from you. Like every few weeks, you know, Natalie, help me. I don't know understand. What I love is.
0: your questions.
1: <laughs> and you know, it's it's all about respect, Natalie. I think. In this day and age, in the climate that we're in, I think it's so essential to just, I mean, we grew up with a lot of really weird belief system, but I think it's high time that we moved on to something better, to something, to a place where we can all be better for one another and for that I'm so grateful for you and that you're part of my life and one of the special women I know and I hope to see you guys next I guess next episode in a couple of weeks until then take care of yourselves and may peace be on you all Thank you so much for tuning in to I'm a Muslim and That's Okay. And if you wish to follow my social media for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook and on YouTube. All the links to those are in the show notes. And if you are on Apple or on Spotify or on Podchaser, please do give my podcast a five star rating. It really does help get me, you know, in the public eye. And if you wish to donate to support the podcast, you can do so through the PayPal link in my show notes as well. Take care.